Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, meaning get up, make us a God who shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we know not what is become of him. Moses had been up on the mountain for, I think, over 40 days at this point with Joshua. And the people just lost faith. They just thought, if he's up there this long, maybe he's dead or whatever. They were anxious. That can happen to us when God is asking us to wait on him. It's a test of our faith. But then the demons start speaking to us and saying, Oh, you've imagined everything. God isn't really with you. You're crazy. Why are you waiting? Why are you doing this? The people were listening to the voices of demons, and they decided to just go do their own thing. Without a strong leadership present, they just lost it. Aaron's leadership wasn't really anything to speak of, as you will see by this chapter. 2. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden rings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. 3. And all the people broke off the golden rings which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. They got them from the Egyptians when they plundered Egypt, most likely. 4. And he received it at their hand, and fashioned it with a graving tool, and made it a molten calf. And they said, This is thy God, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. It says that Aaron created the golden calf, which is a cow. One of the gods that had been destroyed in Egypt was the god Hathor, the god of livestock. And Hathor is a female god that has the head of a cow and has the sun on top of her head. This is a famous pagan symbol. Satanists use it. Pagans use it. Witches use it. It's one of the most famous pagan gods. They were just going straight back to Hathor, even though Hathor had already been destroyed in one of the plagues. That was a plague where all the livestock died. God had already proven to them that Hathor was a false god, and they were going straight back to him. 5. And when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. What Aaron is doing is he's playing religion. Sadly, that's what a lot of people do today. They just decide that they're going to create their own festival and their own type of party for the Lord, their own type of activity. Halloween, it's a satanic holiday. A lot of people around the world actually die on Halloween. They get sacrificed to demons. That's part of the holiday. It's probably tens of thousands of people around the world who die on Halloween as victims of Halloween. Yet a lot of Christians celebrate it because they call it an outreach where they're going to give free candy to the community to try to get the community interested in going to church. But I have never in all my years heard of anybody getting saved at a Halloween outreach. They don't get saved, they just get candy. That's an example of Christians playing religion in their own way instead of doing what God told them to do. This is what Aaron is doing. First of all, he totally crumbled under the people. He was afraid of them, and he was afraid of them not liking him. So he instantly did what they wanted. He knew they wanted a false god, and he made it for them out of that gold. He made them a golden cow. And then, when he saw that the cow was finished, then he decided to play religion, because he knows that he has been appointed to be a priest of God. So he says, okay, well, if I'm supposed to be a priest, let me do it. And so he just made up 
his own rules, and he decides to make up his own altar, and then that they're going to worship the cow at this altar, which makes no sense, because altars are for God, not demons. But he's going to have the people worship a demon at an altar that he's pretending is for the Lord. 6. And they rose up early on the morrow, which means the next day and offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink, and rose up to make merry. Now they're giving burnt offerings and peace offerings, but it's not for any purpose whatsoever. They're not going to get forgiven of their sins, because they're sinning in the offering. They're sinning while they're giving the offering. They're playing religion, and they're deciding, we're going to make a sacrifice. But who is the sacrifice to? It's not to God. It's to the demon Hathor. The burnt offering is the one that gets totally burnt up. We read about that a couple of chapters ago. It gets burnt all the way to smoke and becomes ashes. They have no peace because peace between us and God is when we're forgiven of our sins, but they were in the process of sinning. That's another problem with Christians. Say they have a lifestyle of fornication and they're living with a girlfriend or boyfriend, and then they take their girlfriend or their boyfriend to church, and to them it's a peace offering. They're at peace with God because they enjoy the church service. They say hi to everybody and they shake hands with the pastor, and there they are sitting in church, so it's like a peace offering. And they think that they're forgiven, but they're not forgiven forgiven because they're still in rebellion. They're still in sin. They're currently living together. They don't feel bad about it, and they don't want to stop, and they're not going to stop. So that's an example of how Christians can play religion or think that they've given God a peace offering, but they're getting nowhere with God, and they don't have peace, and they're not forgiven. 7. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, Get thee down, for thy people that thou broughtest up out of the land of Egypt have dealt corruptly. Now God is telling Moses, up on the mountaintop, you need to go down to the bottom of the mountain, because your people are now in big sin. 8. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf, and have worshipped it, and have sacrificed unto it, and said, This is thy God, O Israel, who brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And notice how God said that they turned aside quickly. And that's what happens to a lot of Christians out of fear, out of anxiety. We get anxious. We listen to the voices of demons. And we don't trust God at all. Instead of just simply waiting on Him. If you're dependent on what you can see, hear, and feel from God, then you're going to crumble whenever He's silent. And He will be silent at times to test your faith. So you need to still have faith even when you aren't getting a response from the Lord. 9. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people, meaning that they're stubborn. 10. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and will make of thee a great nation. So God is now telling Moses, when I'm angry enough, and when they've sinned enough, I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth, and your two sons are going to become a great nation. It's almost like God was saying, from you, I'm going to make this great nation, so it'll still be the same family because it'll still be Abraham's family. But he's saying that it'll only come through Moses's line in the tribe of Levi. That means wiping out all the other tribes. 11. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people? Waxing means to get bigger. So why are you getting more and more angry? 
that thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. 12. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak, saying, For evil did he bring them forth to slay them in the mountain, and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce wrath, and repent of this evil against thy people. He's not telling God that God is a sinner. When God tells us to repent, he means for us to stop sinning. But God never sins. But when he repents, it means to change his mind. Moses is saying, change your mind. He's also not calling God evil either. But in the Old Testament, they only have English words for these Hebrew words that are a lot more elaborate and complicated. The closest word they had for it was evil. But there's all different kinds of evil in the Bible. There's different words for different kinds of evil. This kind of evil simply means harm. Moses is simply saying, change your mind about bringing harm to these people, because it's going to cause the Egyptians to gossip about you and say that you don't really love us, you never loved us, and you never took care of us. Moses is using the argument that if you destroy the people now, even though they may deserve it and they're sinning, then that'll ruin the testimony of you with the Egyptians. They'll think that, yeah, he saved them from us, but then he didn't save them from himself, and they'll speak evil of you. 13. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants to whom thou didst swear by thine own self, and saidst unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. God made that promise to all of Jacob's children, but now he's saying, I'm just going to make Moses, his family, the inheritors. So Moses is saying, the promise is for everybody. 14. And the Lord repented of the evil which he said he would do unto his people. Now again, that doesn't mean that God was going to sin. He changed his mind from destroying the people. We can have conversations with God. Jesus in the New Testament said, if you obey me, you are my friend. Jesus is not a friend of everyone. He's only a friend of those who obey him. And in a friendship, there is give and take. You can have a conversation. Jesus himself had a conversation with God where God was actually silent. He was listening, but he didn't answer. And that was when Jesus asked his father, can you make a way so that I don't have to die on the cross? And his father was silent. So Jesus knew what the answer was. The answer was no. Even if we are walking hand in hand with God and we have a give and take conversation, that doesn't mean that he will do what we want. 15. And Moses turned and went down from the mount with the two tables of the testimony in his hand, tables that were written on both their sides, on the one side and on the other side were they written. Hey, that tells us a lot. That means that approximately three commandments were written on each side. Because in the pictures we have, we always show five commandments on one side and five commandments on the other. But the Bible says that the tables were written on both sides, which means there were four sides, which means there were two or three commandments on each side of stone, which is very interesting. 16. And the tables were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God, graven upon the tables. This corrects me, because in the last chapter, I told you that Moses had found the rock that would be used, the stone, and then God wrote on it. So that was wrong because this verse clearly says that the rock itself came from God and it was fashioned from God. It might have been a cut rock and it might have been super thin so that it would be easy to carry, easy to hold, and it was written on on both sides. And we now know that God is the one who fashioned both the rock and he made the writing.
17. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. So they're both descending the mountain. 18. And he, Moses, said, It is not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that sing I do hear. Joshua thinks they're at war, and Moses says, Well, they're not either shouting the battle cry or crying for mercy against their enemies. They're singing. They're partying. 19. And it came to pass, as soon as he came nigh unto the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing. Moses' anger waxed hot. So now Moses is really furious. And he cast the tables out of his hands and broke them beneath the mount, because they had broken every commandment. And figuratively, Moses breaks the commandments because they're already broken. It's kind of interesting. He's like, you aren't going to obey this law anyway. The tablets are worthless to you. And he's so furious that he breaks the tablets. Moses is as angry at the people as God is, but Moses still wanted God to preserve their lives. He had compassion over them. This is very typical of a true prophet. They have compassion over the people, and they don't want people to perish from their sins. The prophets today don't have compassion. They just want your money, and they want to be popular, and they want to be noticed. But they don't really deeply care about you. If they knew that you were in sin, they would never entreat you to stop sinning. They just want you to keep giving them money and they'll keep giving you good words. They're not true prophets. But Moses was a true prophet and he cared about the people and it made him angry when he saw them in sin and he didn't want them to go to hell. 20. And he took the calf which they had made and burnt it with fire and ground it to powder and strewed it upon the water and made the children of Israel drink of it. Their punishment was that they had to drink this water that had gold in it, which wouldn't be that good for drinking. He probably charred it and then he grinded it into powder. And I'm sure he had a process for doing that. And I'm sure it took a little bit of time, but he was that mad. 21. And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee that thou hast brought a great sin upon them? Now Moses is mad at Aaron. He's like, You were left in charge and you got all of them to worship this false god. What were you thinking? 22. And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people, that they are set on evil. 23. So they said unto me, Make us a God which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we know not what is become of him. 24. And I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it me, and I cast it into the fire, and there came out this calf. What a whopper that is. Aaron is saying, I was afraid of the people. They demanded a god, so I told them to put their gold in the fire, and the golden cow popped out. He was saying that basically it was a miracle. He's blaspheming God, and he's also lying, because he made the calf with his own hands, and he knows that. First, Aaron was afraid of the people. Now, Aaron is afraid of Moses. If you're walking in fear and you are a people pleaser like Aaron was, you won't go far with the Lord and you're going to end up sinning. Aaron was a people pleaser and that's why he ended up, he was afraid to disappoint the people and he was afraid to disappoint his supervisor, but he had no fear of disappointing God. And that's the problem with people pleasers, is they're only afraid of people, but they're not afraid of God. But the Bible tells us that we're supposed to have a fear of the Lord, not a fear of men. So we need to flip it over and be afraid of God's wrath, not afraid of man's wrath. 25. And when Moses saw that the people were broken loose, for Aaron had let them loose for a derision among their enemies. They weren't in their ranks anymore. They weren't in the proper camps. They were just running wild. 
And maybe Aaron did that because his own leadership was so lacking that he thought, well, if I let them break loose, then it will just scare the the people around us into not fighting with us because Aaron had no leadership qualities whatsoever. 26, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Whoso is on the Lord's side, let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. It says all, the entire tribe of Levi, which is only one tribe out of the 11. This happens whenever a battle is about to be fought. A lot of times one man will say, who's going to fight on my side? It's a battle cry. Moses is saying, we're going to war. Who's going to fight on the side of the Lord? And his entire Levite clan comes to him. But the other 11 tribes didn't come, and they should have. When you take a vote in a room and you say, raise your hand if yes, and don't raise your hand if your answer is no, it's to separate the group. And that's what Moses is doing. He's separating those who love the Lord from those who don't. 27, and he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Put ye every man his sword upon his thigh, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp, and slay every man his brother, and every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. Now that we know who the yeses and the noes are, we know that everybody out there who isn't standing with us is an enemy of God. Go kill them. That's what Moses is saying. The enemies are. The ones who are going to keep worshiping the calf. You might think, well, that's really harsh, isn't it? But these people weren't going to repent. They were even offered an opportunity because when Moses said, who's for me? He didn't say who was for me. He said, who's for me now? Those who had been worshiping the calf could have still stood with Moses and changed their mind and decided that they were for God. In fact, you know, a lot of those Levites were worshiping the calf because all the people were. Most of the Levites who came to Moses were probably worshiping the calf before Moses came down the mountain, but they took a stand and they decided to repent and be with the Lord. Jesus said, unless you, now the Bible says, hate your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, you're not fit to be in my kingdom. And the reason it uses the word hate is because, again, it's another example where the Greek language is way more complicated than English, and the only word close to what Jesus meant was hate. And he didn't mean a malicious hate where you want ill to come to them. But what Jesus meant was, unless all your love is for me, all your allegiance is to me, even to the point where you don't have any allegiance for your family. That doesn't mean that you want ill to come their way, but you're not going to follow them. You're only going to follow me. So Jesus is saying, unless I'm the only one you follow, you aren't fit to enter the kingdom. And this is what Moses is telling the people here now. You need to forsake the love of everybody else because they're going to lead you back to the golden calf. The people who didn't stand with us are the people who are going to lead you back into sin. So go destroy them now. 28. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. They only killed 3,000. There's millions of people here, and they only killed 3,000. And that's probably because that's all they were capable of killing, because it was just one tribe of Levites. It could also be because the people ran and fled and repented in the process. They didn't need to get all wiped out. I bet there was a lot of repentance going on at that moment. 29, And Moses said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, for every man hath been against his son and against his brother, that he may also bestow upon you a blessing this day. 
which means set yourselves aside. And I think that involves getting clean. Don't be focused on anything worldly and wait for his blessing. 30. And it came to pass on the next day, on the morrow, that Moses said unto the people, Ye have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up unto the Lord. Peradventure I shall make atonement for your sin. And he's saying, I'm going to hope to make atonement for your sin. It's so great, but I'm going to try. He's going to do a sacrifice to the Lord. He says, I'm going to go back up, but this time you need to wait patiently and not go into sin again. 31. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them a god of gold. He's reporting to the Lord what happened. 32. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. Moses is saying, If you won't forgive them, then don't forgive me either. And this is so weird. I personally do not understand this. Paul did the same thing in the New Testament. Paul said to the Lord that he wished that he himself could go to hell so that other people could go to heaven. And now Moses is basically saying the same thing. Moses says, if they can't go to heaven, don't let me go either. It could be that Moses feels responsible for them being sinful. It could also be because Moses is kind of trying to manipulate the Lord because he knows that he's a friend of the Lord. And he's trying to make that emotional connection that I want you to love them the same way you love me, even though they're not God's friends at all. But I personally, I want to go to heaven even if nobody else goes. I don't want to exchange my salvation for somebody else's. So I don't get this at all. I definitely want to go to heaven even if my own family members don't make it. Moses is saying that God has the capability to blot, meaning to erase, people out of his book of life. This is one of the many hundreds of Bible verses that show that we can lose our salvation. King David said it also in the book of Psalms that people can be erased from the book of life. Their names can be erased. And there are literally hundreds of Bible verses that show that you can lose your salvation. If we can lose our salvation because we turn back to the devil, we can get it back by turning back to Jesus. So it doesn't mean that if you lose your salvation once, you can never be saved again. But the Bible makes it clear that you can lose your salvation. Jesus said those who are faithful to the end, not faithful for a day, not faithful for a minute, not faithful for a couple of months or a couple of years, faithful to the end. Those are the ones who will be saved. I'm going to read 33. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. God says only the people who sin against me will go to hell, not everybody. It's God's command that Moses cannot offer his soul for anyone else, and Paul can't either. Okay, that makes me feel better because that means that it's against God's will that I would lose my salvation for somebody else. 34. And now go, lead the people unto the place of which I have spoken unto thee. Behold, mine angel shall go before thee. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. God says, the angel is going to lead you, but I'm still going to punish these people for their sin. 35. And the Lord smote the people because they made the calf which Aaron made. So more people died. A lot of people died that day. The 3,000 that the Levites killed, and then the Lord killed even more people that day. God knows our hearts. He knows if we're going to repent. In the Old Testament, when God killed people, it wasn't malicious. They were never going to repent, and God knew that. We don't have to worry that he killed somebody who could have repented and been saved, but it was not the entire tribe of Israel. It was a certain number of people. And that concludes Exodus chapter 32.